I totally thought Patrick was going to be like, you might see up there, you know, Patrick Dunn, you know, looking good and everything. Nope, he is more humble than that. Um, hey, everyone. My name is Josh Williams. Welcome to our first Sunday of Lent. Excited to have you all here with us. I'm excited to, yeah, to share more of what God is doing in our community. Also, definitely talk to Kiana about the Black Corner because she's being very humble and what's going on. So many of the connections are just through her being bold, praying. Um, it's awesome. So uh, this past Wednesday, we started the season of Lent. Um, Lent's a season in the life of the church where we focus on Jesus' walk to the cross and his eventual death. It's a sobering season where we're reminded that the call of Jesus is a call to come and die, to live as if there is more than this life. That's what this season is. So kind of like, buckle up, like, let's get ready, because there's no sugarcoating that. It's just, just true. I've come to love thinking of Lent as a season where we motivate sacrifice, our own, in our church, throughout our city, in the world. We're motivating sacrifice. And we ask for God's help to change our thinking so we can believe that truly living means stepping in to sacrifice for a greater purpose. This is hard. And I think it's become even harder as this is our third and hopefully our last like Lent impacted by a pandemic. Someone just gave me a look. They're like, Josh, you know, when you say that, you know what happens. <laughs> hey, it's not my fault. But it's hard. Who has time to sacrifice when we're simply trying to live? We're trying to live through vaccines, through masks, through boost, and the politicization and fighting about it all. We're trying to live with war and violence pressing against us beyond our borders in Ukraine, within our borders as we see with, uh, against ethnic minorities, within our city due to an alarming number of homicides, Unfortunately, one that happened last night in Hamden, we had three-month stretch with no homicides. And then here in Hamden, one more. We're trying to live with the isolation that reopenings of any kind can't reverse. Why motivate sacrifice when it already feels like we're living with sacrifice? The answer is simple, but it can appear very fleeting as we consider it, we have something worth sacrificing for. We have someone worth sacrificing unto. His name is Jesus. He's a man acquainted with suffering, with sacrifice. And he lived that for us, for love. That's the truth. And we need to come into alignment with it. We need to position ourselves to receive that truth. We need it to become our posture. This Lent, with God's help, we will receive this truth through our hearts, our minds, our spirits, and particularly this Lent, we're going to tackle receiving it through our very bodies. This truth that Jesus is worth our sacrifice. This is the work of our Lenten series called Postures of Humility. Postures of Humility. What does this mean? Well, humility, if you didn't know, is a word about Viewing yourselves rightly, not seeing yourself as more than who you are, but also not seeing yourself as less than who you are. Humility is about seeing yourself rightly. So what's the right view? What's your right view of your body? Well, we're beloved creatures of God with a heavenly maker. 
We did not make ourselves and we are not God. We do not merely exist as brains or hearts or spirits, but we have a body that can do the work of worship, a body that can humble itself, can actually go ahead of other parts of who we are that sometimes take a little bit longer to figure out that humility piece. That's what I hope our Lenten breakthrough is this year. We can take postures of humility in our body that God blesses and uses to bring the rest of us into alignment. After all, we need to see the body as a site of worship. When we raise our hands, do we know that it actually helps our hearts surrender? When we lift our voice, do we know that our souls come alive when we do that work? When we bend low, we become aware that we came from dust and to dust will return. When we lay completely on the ground, that we're emptied, desperate, waiting for God to fill us once more. Do we know that when we do that with our body, something changes, I believe, in our hearts, in our spirits, in our minds? And I think you guys already know this, but it's easier to do those things that I just did than to change your heart, than to change your spirit, than to change your mind. The fact that we have a body is a gift because we can give over something to God and watch God do miracles amongst us. Our bodies matter. Now we'll talk about different postures and I'll share them in a second, even more about bowing next week. But I wanna invite us deeper in using Psalm 95 as a call for us to come and worship. Psalm 95, come let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving. Extol him with music and song, for the Lord is the great God, the great king above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth, and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands form the dry land. Come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture the flock under his care. Amen. That scripture calls us to worship. This piece of art on the side that Owen Burke created calls us into worship as we look at a figure laid low. Guess what else calls us into worship? Your very body that you're inhabiting right now, the bodies that you see in this room, the fact that God created them, it calls us into worship. And each week we'll look at different postures to bow, to lay, to look up and see where our help comes from, to stand, to shout and bend, that'll be a fun one, and to walk. This is part of what the Lord is going to be up to, having us engage our physical bodies, but also to know the reason why we're doing it. Let's pray for a little bit. God, I thank you that you've given us a body, a heart, a mind, and a spirit. I thank you, Lord, that there's so much that you invite us to give back to you, to sacrifice unto you. And I want to thank you right now for each body in this room. I pray that you would lay your hand on our bodies and you would bless us. Even right now, give us an attentiveness of heart. Give us a 
physical healing in our bodies. Give us a kind of awareness of what our bodies are doing. Are they drawn in? Are they moving absent? Even as you're seated, there's still something God can do in your body right now. So Lord, continue to speak to us and minister to us as a good God. In Jesus' name, amen. So now that you know we'll be talking about bodies all of Lent, I want to give you a few caveats. First, this is not just like a new creative series on Christian yoga. Not that there's anything like wrong with that, but that's not exactly what we're doing. Uh, remembering we have bodies is good. Moving them around is good. But if all we do in the series is kind of like practice a pose like in our room, like far away from people, it's not exactly what we're going for. Uh, we'd be missing the mark there. When I went to uh, Yale Divinity School, uh, I was not that surprised that most of our time was spent uh, in seats around tables. Um, I didn't think I was going to Hogwarts, so I was aware, like, okay, I think this is going to feel like regular. But uh, I was wondering, you know, would things be different? I honestly wasn't that surprised um, that the religious nature of the school didn't, like, reimagine, like, how we, like, sit or do table work together. Um, And that kind of kept going as I was in school. So I was a bit surprised when one day, uh, one of my professors, uh, it was the first day of class, spoke, stood up, and said, there's something I want to share with you. In our class, we have embodied learning. If you need to get up, if you need to stretch, if you need to use the restroom, you can do that. We have bodies here in this classroom. And so trust and know that you can do the work that you need to do in your body. I was like, that was very dramatic. <laughs> and also, I'm glad I can go to the restroom. That's like allowed in this classroom in graduate school. That's, thank you for that. And I was also a little bit surprised. Um, okay, we're, we're learning that we can stretch out our bodies or our hands in this pristine campus on a hill, but it seems like our imagination is a little bit limited. We're not you know, walking down to New Hallville to pray or to read there that there was like a certain kind of stretch we were doing, but, but not another kind. So this series isn't just embodied learning at ECV, as if you're gonna be like seated here for however many weeks, like just learning about the body. There's more than that here. Instead, scripture challenges us to give our bodies over to God for the sake of his mission in the world. It says this in the letter to Romans chapter 12, verse one. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. It's a beautiful verse. But like many beautiful verses in Scripture, we've got to ask, what does it mean to offer our bodies as living sacrifice? I want to share just three, I think, pretty practical ways or kind of points of like what this might mean for us. The first, and this is all important, is that your body has value. Your body has value. The only reason one is called to sacrifice something is because it has worth and value to the person they're worshiping. Do you know that God sees our bodies here as good and valuable? It says in the book of Genesis that we are created in the image of God. And God looks at that creation and he calls it very good. 
That's not every part of us besides our physical bodies. Like, you're good, but not your body, though. (laughs) Our bodies, too, are made in the image of God. Jesus, the one who is God, also took on human flesh. God is not just a savior from our bodies. He is the creator of our bodies. So why don't we feel that way sometimes? In our media, in our own imagination, there's an all-out assault on our body to look a certain way. In some Christian cultures, body, that word can be synonymous with lust, sensuality, sex. Religious people can target women especially to behave and look a certain way that can make women and others feel shame for even having a body. I was practicing this talk with Tina. It's like, you know, I was saying, you know, you, it's almost like you have to show up in like a, a potato sack or something like that. And Tina said, not even that, because people would say it wouldn't look cute. So there's, there's a lot of stuff that's going on. It's really true. In our broader culture, our bodies are also targeted, targeted with violence, whether that's gun violence, war like we're seeing, sexual assault. And when a body is harmed, the sacredness of the image of God is not respected. It's not upheld. And this doesn't reflect the truth that God created our body as good. Maybe that's one of the reasons why it's easier to stay in other parts of, our, of who we are, our heart or our mind, because we feel like there's an assault against our very body. Similarly, some of us come from ethnic backgrounds where we've been told our bodies are worthless because of the color of their skin or phenotype. Some of us have histories and bodily memories where our bodies were caged, interned, or enslaved, valuable only for how they could be controlled. To be honest, as a black man that's been wrongly detained by the police, I cannot tell you how much I love to move in freedom, to dance, to get my body extended, to be a free person before the Lord, to lift my hands up, not in a response to a command, not even in protest, but because there's a God who loves me, who saved me, who delights in rescuing me. As a black person whose great-grandfather was a sharecropper, whose own parents were enslaved, I can't tell you how good it feels to know that my body belongs to God belongs to my maker, the only one who could create a human body, and that I bow down at his command and at his pleasure, no longer a slave to the powers of the world, but I stand by asking God, how do I use my freedom? I discipline my body to make it responsive to the movements of the spirit, the movements of God, not captive to fear or performance or pressure. At least I try to do that. Our body is a living sacrifice. It is a gift to God. And our bodies have value. Our bodies have dignity, sacred worth unto God, no matter what anyone says, including you. That's who God is and what God has done and created. Do you trust that, that your body has value? Because when we do, when we offer it as a living sacrifice, we communicate that value to God. That becomes a part of our worship. Second point is as we learn about what it means to give a living sacrifice is this. Your body can be motivated to willingly sacrifice in view of God's mercy. 
To be blunt and a little crude, animals didn't get much choice in the matter of sacrifice when it came to the stories in Hebrew scripture. We get a choice, though, to live sacrificially, sacrificially, not by sheer effort, but moved by the mercy of God. Mercy is just a word that means abundance in face of lack, abundance in face of wrong. We get to be moved by the mercy of God and have a response. Do we bend low before God? Do we kneel? Do we look upwards towards heaven where our help comes from? Do we lay prostrate before God? Perhaps yes, perhaps no. If you have a church background, this might depend on kind of the culture of church that you were in growing up. You know, for some of us maybe in church, it was clear that it had to be a reasoned, thoughtful response, you know, a slight nod that you like what's going on. Maybe a a turn of the head to show that, like, the music is just a little too lively, but you're enjoying it. You're like, okay. Maybe, like, you're uh, shifting in your seat to show, I didn't like that point. Some of us come, came from backgrounds that were that subtle in how we communicated. And for others of us, we were in church running and shouting and dancing. Different church backgrounds. But regardless of polling any of our church background or not, we're actually all worshipers. Those of us that grew up in the church, but also those of us who didn't grow up in the church at all. We're all worshipers, and we worship in our bodies. It's a gift God's given to humanity. We use our bodies to worship, and we're usually moved by our passions. Uh, Maybe it's a sports game where we worship. These are some very excited Cubs fans when they won. They're like, yes, this is amazing. Like, I think we see, like, I love different responses. We see, like, deep tears. We see, like, a selfie. We just see, like, some, like, almost like a fence. Like, yeah, we won. Yeah. Like, it's a lot going on there. We see some concerts. I chose a few different kinds so we can have equal opportunity, right? We got like a Drake in the middle. Like this is a concert where who are they worshiping? I wonder, I don't know. Like, is it Drake? You know, we've got a Mumford and Sons over here. Like people like lifting their hands. You know, well, I won't get into Mumford and Sons, Never mind. And then, uh, you know, we also have, you know, a midnight premiere. I don't know. Okay, clearly it's Star Wars, right? (laughs) People again, like, are they angry? Are they excited? That person in the front, it's hard to tell. But, like, it's worship, it's excitement, it's enthusiasm. This is who we are, and it's what we do. So you might realize a little bit more now, like, why God's zealous for our worship, and why God might be a bit offended by our lack of engagement, only to see these scenes all across the world, right? Oh, so can you really not move? Really? Just saying. Just saying. And it's not that we're unable to engage with our bodies at all, right? But it's rather we are always using our bodies somehow in some way if we have like a a way of, you know, maybe turning it off though in the church or with God or with God if we're not doing well. Because as much as we'd like to say like, okay, like the Pentecostals got it or like black churches got it, we all know when we're not feeling well, sometimes we don't even come to the church, right? It's like, okay, I knew if I had to come, I would have to dance, so I'm just not coming today. So it's not necessarily a a way we do church, it's about a posture of our, our heart. We have a choice, and we can let our body reveal that to us. I don't know why the Lord did this with me, but there was a certain season. I was going to ECV, and I was learning more about the Holy Spirit. And I felt like the Lord just like brought this point up, like, and he made it personal. He was like, Josh, your reaction to the Star Wars trailer. 
Josh, when Serena won Wimbledon, again, Josh. I was very happy about that. You have to be if you're a Serena fan now. Just embrace the past. Um, like these things that I experienced, he just said, I just want you to notice what you can do. No shame, no condemnation, no, that was bad. He's just like, you can do that, right? It's like, you're right, I can. And I felt like the Lord said like, so what, what do you need to get excited about, about me? Or about what I can do? And God challenged me. It wasn't like, don't do that. It's like, what do I need to do in your life to get a little bit of a hand clap? To get you to stand up, to get you to maybe yell out. Just ask that of me and let's work on it together. Which is just how God is, right? I mean, that deserves a hand clap. Like, God's that generous, right? He's that generous. He didn't say stop being who you are. He said, show me more of how you can be you, but for and with me, and what I'm doing in the world, and what I'm doing in your life. God might be putting his finger on that in your life. What's the thing that you're getting excited about, passionate about, you have a bodily response to? God doesn't want to shame that at all, but he wants to call you in and say, so what would I need to do in your life for you to get that excited? Think on that. But I want us to also maybe get a little bit suspicious because the examples I used were pretty exciting ones, right? A Drake concert, Mumford and Sons, Cubs winning. If you're another fan of a different sport, your team winning, maybe if, it has, if it's happened. <laughs> if it hasn't, like maybe there's something else here. But there's something about why don't we have examples of that with sadness or mourning, at least in the broad American culture, right? It seems like as a broad American culture, we find ways to worship even in that secular worship in times of happiness. But in times of sadness, what do we do? I think one can actually point to other secular liturgies, whether it's our drug epidemic, whether it's our alarming mental health rates, whether it's even suicide rates. It's almost as if our body goes into overdrive with happiness in these fleeting moments, but it can't find rhythms or practices to match opposite emotions of sadness or lament. That's a dilemma, right? I remember realizing that in a stark way, watching a movie called Fruitvale Station. It's a movie about the life of Oscar Grant, really just like 48 hours in his life before he gets shot and killed by the police. I was watching it with Tina at Criterion, just uh, a little bit ways from here. And at the end of the movie, uh, you want hope against hope for him to live, and you know the ending already. So it just plays out as this tragedy. And then we were in the theater, and the credits rolled. No one left. Felt like no one was breathing. But people were just stuck in their seats. Credits kept going. Everyone's still there. The movie ended. At this point, it's just a black screen. No one's left. And I whispered to Tina, I said, I think this is where we would lament if we knew how. Tina and I didn't stand up and rend our garments and, you know, put ash on our face. We just saw people leave and then eventually we did too. There's something about relying on what God has given us with our body, of bending down low, of lying prostrate, of kneeling and realizing God has given us bodily types of worship for moments of joy and happiness, moments of sadness and lament. We can access them if we are able to give our body over as a living sacrifice. So I have a question for you. 
in the last six months? It's a little audit. What has your true and proper worship been unto? If you're to think of the ways that you've moved your body, the ways that you've opened it up with your physical expression, what has that worship been unto? Is it to God? Or is it maybe a physical response to worries you've had? Anxieties or frustration? Anger in interpersonal relationships? A kind of seeking pleasure? What has it been? Mercy moves us a different way towards a bodily response and worship. Mercy is just recognizing abundance from a place of lack, recognizing abundance from a place of wrong. It moves us towards our neighbors in need. It moves us towards God who loves us enough to sacrifice himself for us. So I have to ask you this question I feel like God asked me in that time. Has God's mercy moved you recently? Has it made you change the posture of your body to humble yourself into one of these postures of humility? Or do you need to ask God, invite God, God, here's how I would need to see your mercy because of what's going on in your life. Don't disqualify yourself, even for this entire series, and wonder, I'm just not that kind of person, Josh. I just am not like a physical, kind of like bodily type of human being. Kind of back off. Instead, maybe say, I haven't experienced enough mercy to stand up and raise my hand, but I'm interested, God. More, Lord. Give me more, because I need that to respond in the ways that maybe you desire, to thank God with your whole body. Get curious that way. Again, we're all going to do this a different way, but I'd be suspicious if God isn't challenging us here. God invites us to be intentional. Choose to offer your body as a living sacrifice. Get curious about what that could look like. Last point for today, your body can be restored. Your body can be restored. Do you guys catch this verse? And the biggest thing in this verse, it's these two words, living sacrifice. What kind of sacrifice is living? What thing do we bring to someone in sacrifice that is alive? Through God, through Jesus, through his power, we can have a living sacrifice. We can embody a living sacrifice. It carries the promise of the resurrection. Death is not the end anymore. Sacrifice is not without refreshment. Restoration of life is the new normal. When we engage our bodies in sacrifice, when we posture them in humility, as if we've been created by our maker, we receive a blessing from God. It is us coming into alignment with who we are before God agreement with the truth that Jesus lived and that death is not the end and our aspirational hope that we will experience this miracle now, in the here and now. Alignment, agreement, and aspirational hope about the here and now. Every time we take a posture of humility, a posture of worship, we're making our bodies a living sacrifice in view of the mercy of God. We are inviting the Lord to bless our sacrifice, for it not to be in vain, for it to not leave us into desolation. And we felt that difference, right? A bodily sacrifice that restores us versus it just leaves us spent physically. A way of using our body or being used bodily that leaves us maybe coerced, zapped, dead in a way. When people have mishandled our bodies through violence, we lose trust in this restoration. 
When our bodies have succumbed to sickness, we lose trust in this restoration. When we get stuck in our mind or in our heart or ignore our physical body, we lose trust in this restoration that God can bring in our physical bodies. And Jesus does something different. He offers us a different bodily promise, that of a living sacrifice. There's a willingness to die, a choice to practice that with our body, and yet a spirit of restoration that we receive as we pour out, no matter what our scars, the Spirit still pours out. This is a Lenten scandal. It's a scandal of the resurrection. It's a scandal of a discipled life. We motivate sacrificial living because that's when we truly live. God doesn't just give us one big stage or scenario to demonstrate that. Jesus' sacrifice didn't begin on the cross. But instead, the way of mercy invites us to a life of practice. And we start with our very lives. God gives us the stage of a body, a canvas of skin and limb. And God asks, will you use that to worship me? Of course, God does the same thing with our time, with our money, with our emotions. But we're focusing in on the body because we can often just drag it around, right? Just like as if we're just carrying a load of burdens. So we're focusing here. We forget that we've been given this body by our maker. And we will receive breakthrough in our mind, heart, and spirit when we submit our body and take on these different postures of humility, seeing our body rightly as a way we can worship God. Quick story as we wrap up. One of my favorite stories uh, in our community came uh, from the beginning of the pandemic. And do you remember that time, kind of early pandemic days? Think about your posture. Maybe you were an essential worker, like afraid, doing a lot, like on your feet. Maybe it was you were at home and you were like, how do I like look at my computer for this long? And how do I do Zoom? And like my background, my kid, like my cat, like our postures were crazy. Like how many people were just like, I don't know what to do. And I can't go to get a massage or do anything because that's closed. This is horrible. I'm stuck. You could also remember the way that people felt that just by being isolated, even without all this physical kind of mess, feeling so isolated and alone. It was a deep type of isolation. There's a woman who had been coming to ECV off and on, Tai Hen. She gave me permission to share her story. And she actually had just finished our Alpha course uh, that we had run uh, at the beginning of the year, so it was around December when she was done with it. She kind of kept coming back on and off to our community, but then the lockdown happened, uh, and she was maybe sometimes watching, but was really isolated and was struggling. Her experience of uh, thinking about faith was really connected to uh, a lot of pain that she had in her, in her family, and thinking about, is God a father? And if that's true, then how would I relate to my earthly father? She didn't know what to do. Things were getting worse. The isolation deepened. And then one night she'd made a choice. You see, in Alpha, we just were listening and watching. We weren't really engaged with our bodies more than that. But she said, you know what? I, I think I might know what to do. I can kneel down in front of my bed and I can say, God, I need something to be different. I need a change right now. And in that moment of kneeling, something connected. And she experienced God's power and God's love deeply, as if for the first time. And when she got up, something had changed. She could see God as a father, but more than seeing God as a father, she felt like she had the courage to actually step into 
reconciliation with her earthly father. Something about her getting on her physical knees changed her. She was stuck in her mind. She was stuck in her heart. But that posture of humility that she willingly took, as if prompted by the Spirit, connected something and got her unstuck. I think it was easier for her to kneel than to think, can I do this? Is this worth it? Does he deserve this? And soon enough, she was doing another posture of humility, getting baptized. Not isolated anymore, but out at Lighthouse Park, surrendering her whole life to Jesus. What we do with our physical body matters. It can lead to breakthrough where we've been stuck, where we've been confused, where we've been alone. God can do that in our body. God can do that in your body. It's the mercy of God. So where do you need a physical posture today to match a place you feel the Lord leading you? Is it one of praise because God wants to release joy in every season, even if it's a hard season for you? Is it one of lowness because you need to connect, desperately connect to situations of people in this room, in our city, in the world who also feel low, and you need to make your body low to actually feel like maybe I can maybe have some empathy for them? Is it one of bowing or kneeling because you just want to kill your pride and this thing can feel so silly and you say, I, I need to change. I can't think of myself as the most important anymore. Each week we're going to explore a posture. It's really explore a story, a story in our body, a story with humility. We're going to receive a new posture and a new story that can have an impact in our lives, in our heart, in our spirit, and in our mind. And scripture seems to support that connection. This is the next verse after Romans 12.1. I'll just read it all for us again as we, as we close. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. If we want to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, let's posture our bodies to receive a breakthrough that perhaps we couldn't think or feel our way into. Can I just go to some reflection? Uh, the worship team can come back up. And if you're going to help me pass out booklets, you can come up to the front too. So the first invitation is to notice your body oops, and bring it before God. Uh, this is one of just being aware, being present. One of the exercises I think you can do is actually just kind of look and feel head to toe. Start praying through your body for God to protect your mind, to give you a blessing in your speech. Just work your way down your body. Maybe take five minutes a day this week to notice your body. There's not a specific posture this week. But if one's maybe even moved you from what I've shared, you can do that. But I just want you to start to notice. Notice that you have a body. Feel it out. Pray it out. And notice where your body goes this week and where it doesn't. Begin to think, are you in one of that kind of pristine parts of the hill, wherever that might be in our city, in our place? Where are you? Are you connected? Are you bending? Are you serving? Where, where are you going? We also have a Lenten journal. We're going to pass that out right now. This is a way for you to have uh, uh, devotions and a way of connecting every week to the postures that we have, 
to thinking through, okay, how would I actually physically do this posture? What would it mean? Receiving questions about uh, how you can engage. I want to thank Patrick, who helped put this together, and also Lucy. Raise your hand, Lucy, please, who designed this beautiful booklet. Thank you, Lucy. It's amazing. And I want uh, to urge you, even today, and if you want to even now, to look at the beginning of the journal, because there's ways for you to answer, here's the place where I would need God to bring me to life this Lent. Here's how I would want to come alive. Here's the people that I want to move towards, people I'm praying for. So especially use those first few pages to orient where you are in Lent. The second thing is I want to invite you to serve New Haven in a sustainable rhythm this Lent. Because of time, I'm not going to uh, share the, all the ways you can serve. I'll put that on the website and then send an email out. But I'd love for you to think about what cadence of service works for you. Is it two hours a week serving with ECV? Is it two hours each month, you know, March and April? Is it just two hours this Lent? But we have so many great service opportunities in this season in particular. Youth Without Limits on Mondays at 5.30, a basketball mentoring program that just started up on Wednesday. The Black Corner, as Kiana told you, Thursday, 2.15. Desk, March and April. So I'll put that all on the website for you, but I encourage you, take your body somewhere where you can serve others. Notice what happens. Notice how you change. Holy Spirit, come. I'm going to invite Michelle up, and also I'm going to invite you to stand right now. I'm just going to pray for the Lord to be present. So if you could stand to your feet, I just want to invite the Holy Spirit's blessing over you, over your physical body. You can extend out a hand, or if you want to, you can even extend your hands wide open, whatever feels good or best to you. So Holy Spirit, recognize these bodies in the room, these sacred lives that you created. God, I pray right now that you would encourage them, that they are made in your image, that they are good. And I pray particularly for anyone right now that has self-talk, their body isn't good or has been harmed in their body and needs healing or encouragement. Lord, give that to them right now. Give that to them right now. Come, Holy Spirit, have your way in this time. 